You are listening to You've Got Five Options show, where every week Marta and Anna abandon their five children, two partners, and one cat to make a show especially for you. An artist, a challenge, a bullshit, a wisdom, and a surprise. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Hello, everyone. This is Marta, and that's kind of it. Uh, get ready for it because it's happening more and more frequently where it's either me or Anna uh, that are running this show. Luckily, we have Dennis with us. Hello. Who is supporting us on that very lonely journey because once you get used to having a co-host, it's kind of difficult or yeah, it's not as fun. Uh, to do it alone. So uh, luckily, I've got Dennis here with me at the studio and I will also have a guest, but not in the studio. This time I'm going to make an interview with a guest who is on another island and uh, I'll, I'll be calling that guest. So please be very patient in case there are any hiccups any technological hiccups. We'll try to manage them as well as we can. But I will leave it for a little bit later. And today we will start with the artist of the week as the first thing. And then we will dive into our guest and all the fabulous things that the guest has prepared for us. Superman Music brings to you Artist of the Week. So today, the Artist of the Week, uh, which has uh, been brought to us uh, by uh, David, is uh, called Clock Oprah. And now that I talk about David, I actually realized that Anna never gave me any reason why she's not here today. And I am thinking now, what the hell are you doing, Anna, not being here with me? It probably has something to do with Dave, who could not take uh, care of the baby. So hopefully, Dave, you are doing something way more important than uh, our radio, although I don't know it's possible to do anything more important than our radio. So in general, uh, to sum up, Anna and Dave, I hope you have a really good reason. And uh, thank you at least for sharing with me the artist of the week. And um, I must admit that I have received the information quite late and I tried to Google the band uh, just to give you a little bit information about it. It was not easy, but finally I found some information. Clock Opera are a group who came about by chance, an organization who once in passing defined themselves as making chop pop. But it is perhaps best uh, if that is not how they are actually described. Chop pop or pop chop, as much as it might crudely describe the music of a group who use fragmented and splintered samples, glowing edits, colliding rhythms, forgotten dreams, digital collage, disintegrating intervals, merging tenses and cut up words as part of their compositional technique does not do justice to their enriched cohesive hybrid of minimalist attack. 
lush drones, linear transitions and repeated phrases mixed, mixed with seemingly random sequences of riffs, Inditronic is also useful as vague wiki guide, but severely underestimates their nuance, sensationalism and their cracking knowledge of prog rock and psych hop, Philip Glass and David Lynch ambient acid and ghost rock, crystal vibrations and blissed out bells, spilling melodies and rhapsodic textures. So, you know what? I am totally, totally curious to hear that song that we are about to sing. But before we do, Dennis, can you play the short uh, hello from the band? Sure. And then go ahead with the music Hi, right this away. This is Guy from Clock Opera. Thanks to You've Got Five Options and Supermoon Music for making us your Artist of the Week.
Wow, I must admit that I really enjoyed the song. What did you think, Dennis? I saw you like bouncing a little bit when listening to it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Thank you, Guy. And thank you, Dave, for bringing that song today. I really enjoyed it and I'm quite sure I'm going to listen to it again and again mm-hmm. and probably again. And then again. Yeah, probably. Really nice ambient sound. And as a sound check, I really enjoyed the really crisp, dry drums with all the ambience, reverb, soundscaping going on in the back. Yeah, I'm not a sound engineer. I enjoyed mainly guys, the guy's voice. <laughs> <laughs> the singers nice yeah <laughs> the singer's voice and a general <laughs> and the lyrics and the general feel of the song uh, so thank you so much and now uh, we are going to slowly transition to our guest for today and I'm just going to call so let's see how that works out for us it seems to be working. Hello, hello, Aga. Can you hear me? Hi, Marta. Yes, I can hear you well. Thank you. Oh, we can hear you well here in the studio as well, which is a good sign. Probably that means that our listeners can also hear you. So, hello, Aga. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much. Looking forward to actually chatting with you guys. Yes, so today here in the studio, Anna is not with me, but we have uh, Dennis. So Dennis will probably also every now and again be asked to contribute uh, to our discussion. Hello. Perfect. Hi. So Aga, let's start by uh, basically giving you a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us in a few words, who are you? Wow, I don't know if few words will be enough. <laughs> I always overdo with, with wording, but um, I'm Aga, I'm Aga Kahinde, and I am a um, coach and EFT practitioner. And I help people um, who are going through some life changes um, just to simply make their life better. You did very well. It was very precise. <laughs> For our listeners who don't know what EFT is, can you tell us a little bit about it? Right. EFT is a um, technique that is called emotional freedom technique. And that's just a short three letters from the beginning of the word. Um, it's a tapping. There's a new generation um, technique of um freeing us from the emotional burden that we accumulate through our lives. And it's very helpful in many aspects of life. So I use that as um, one of my primary tools in uh, my coaching. So um, I will tell you guys that I have met Aga uh, in a place very close to London. Uh, we actually met twice. We met first time when both of us were doing our coaching training. And then we met the second time when both of us were doing our neuro-linguistic programming training. So uh, I think that the universe was trying to make us talk to each other. That's my bet, <laughs> because there are like thousands of people uh, doing those courses. So bringing us into exactly same location twice, I think that was meant to be. I know, yes. I, I believe in that as well. Yes, the universe 
uh, were telling us something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you guys that I got really fascinated when Aga told me what she's doing in her career, in her work. And that's why I have asked her to be our guest today. And... Um, And I will then ask, in order to basically show you what it is that Aga does and can do, I will ask uh, Dennis to play our cool jingle for the challenge of the week and then we will deep dive into it. A very challenging challenge of the week. Yes, and now it's a little bit difficult to uh, go from that uh, very uh, joyful um, jingle about uh, challenges to actually what the challenge is, as that is something that is uh, very rough and difficult for many people. And that's something that uh, most of us meet in our life, uh, either ourselves or through some close people. We are actually going to talk about cancer. So the challenge is, I have a cancer, now what? And, um, and Aga is here today to have a discussion with me on a few things related to how do you actually manage that situation when you find out that you have a cancer. And uh, amongst others, we are going to talk about how to communicate about it, what are the challenges and what's important now and how actually coaching can be helpful. Because when you think about cancer, probably the first thing you think about is the oncologist and probably coaching is not the first thing that you could think of when uh, when dealing with uh, cancer. But I tell you guys what uh, Aga has to offer and the place where she works and volunteers uh, are definitely something to consider. So, Aga, I will give you uh, a little bit of space to talk about it. So, how do we communicate about cancer? Right. Yes. So, thank you for introducing the subject. And I actually going to challenge you straight away on the um, on what you just said that we're moving from the from the jingle, which is quite nice and um, and happy, and we're moving into cancer and, and all of a sudden the, 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 the energy is dropping and, and my whole world is spinning around but putting that energy back in again. <laughs> so let's just go back into putting a smile on our face despite of the subject. So that's the first thing. Um, and just to give you a little bit of um, overview of what I do in my coaching is... Um, that I, I do provide coaching to people affected by, by medical condition um, and I do specialize with cancer. Um, so I may work with a patients or their families, uh, but I also work with the healthcare professionals in the cancer field. So I work with um, nurses, with um, medical and non-medical people who are um, you know, affected by cancer. That's how I call it because we do work with, um, with, with cancer. And um, I'm really excited about this because this is a very unique area at the moment. Um, and there are many coaches in the speciality, um, which, of course, I want to change. And we all who work in the speciality want to change. 
but it also means that I'm working at the you know forefront of emerging area, combining coaching with medical conditions. And this is a big privilege to be able to shape it, how it looks and, and works um, um, as a service nationally, because that's the big that's the big aim that, I, that I'm, I'm in. So, um, so when I work with with patients um, and, and survivors and their families, and, and that work, you know, usually involves developing strategies to manage health issues while someone is experiencing them or support them after an, an event, um, and in survivorship um, or living with cancer as a long-term condition. So um, the work is all about help to build resilience and confidence and acceptance of the situation, you know, regain the focus and, and control. Those are really, really important aspects. And then, um, you know, to reduce stress around the um, and the situation they're in. Quite often we, we're talking about um, stress around, around going back to work, maybe after cancer, so something around their career, um, you know, around the relationships. Um, develop productive partnerships with healthcare providers and, you know, essentially help someone design a new reality and plan and plan to achieve it. And that's why coaching, it really has space um, in, in cancer. And, and we know that very well. And our clients, um, they do come back to us and, and they found that really, really helpful. So, um, yes, when you, when you say how do we communicate about it, I always take a step back a little bit and, and think about what what does cancer mean to me. So if, if cancer happens to me, um, what what does that mean? Uh, what do I know about cancer? You know, how do I how do I talk about this? How did I talk about it before I even had cancer? This is one of the big area that I look at first when I start working with someone and then we take it from there because that showed me the 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 world that they're in it's almost like you know one of the nlp techniques when you when you're taking the out by looking at how someone describes the situation you're taking their world out and, and you're looking at it from different angles and then you just give a feedback to it and say this is how you're saying this is what you're saying and this is how your world was come to look like do you are you happy with that world or do you want to change it? So this is this is the first thing that we do. And then there is something about communication in terms of, you know, is the cancer happening to someone that I love? So what does it mean to me? What am I scared of? You know, again, you know, what do I know? And and what is my experience with cancer? Because although cancer is very common and it's on the raising, so here in the UK, we know that in 2030, every other person going to suffer or going to be affected by cancer. So, so the number is on the raise. And that doesn't mean that we've got more cancer. That means we live longer with cancer um, as well. And the diagnostics is better. So let them freak out. Um, but we do, we do know that a lot of people are going to be affected by cancer. So what is even, so even though that we, we have more cancer, that doesn't mean we talk about it in, um, in a better way or we, we want to even talk about this or know about it. We're kind of putting that on onto the onto the you know site and don't even look into it, uh, which I think we should, and I think we should be talking about this more um, in a way that we we changing our beliefs about it. Does that make sense? 
It totally made sense. And uh, first of all, I wanted to say thank you for challenging uh, my way of communicating about it. That's one mm. thing. And second thing, I actually wanted to ask you, uh, how did you get into work in the area of, uh, yeah, specifically mm. cancer, specializing specifically in cancer? What brought you to that place? Okay, so I am a, well, a lot of things. <laughs> so first of all, I, um, I uh, my background is in the nursing. So I had, um, well, I'm still in my nursing career with 20 years um, being a nurse and a cancer nurse. That's what, um, that was my space I operated from. And I have always felt that um, I was interested in people's stories and, you know, by the different strategies people use to approach difficult times in their life. So I wanted to replicate this ability for other patients. Um, and likewise, you know, to enable people to gain confidence in themselves rather than feeling like they were being told what to do all the time, which, you know, can happen, particularly to patients as well as non-patients alike. So with this desire, I um, uh, I noticed also that, you know, I was burning out a little bit, feeling a lack of control and frustration with the system that I was struggling to work in, um, in NHS. I, I felt that constraints um, around me. So I... Um, I took a charge of this by supporting myself in, you know, both outside and in work. And, and key strategies for this was me having a cancer, having a coaching myself. <laughs> so um, after one session, I was, I was really fascinated because I was just able to reconnect to my, you know, personal and professional values. And I knew this was transformational. So I wanted to learn more for myself and uh, share with others. And then I quickly moved into become a coach and I fell in love with the way that we operating in the coaching. And I, I felt like, okay, I need to look a little bit more what I can develop and, and be a better coach. I, I become an NLP practitioner and then I was exposed to EFT as well. So I kind of amalgamated all these experiences and I, I pull now from different disciplines to create my own, almost like my own hybrid of who I am now. And, um, and cancer is, a, is how I'm seeing working with cancer is cancer is a wonderful opportunity um, for people to stop and almost like reevaluate their they life um, in, in not in the very nice space because it's scary and it's, um, it's, it's hurtful and it's worrying. And, but what it does at the same time, it, it triggers everything that is... Um, it sits within you. So it will bring all your fears. It will bring all your scarcities or your anxieties. And if you, if you are able to find someone to work through this, you're really going to almost heal yourself. Um, and it does have an impact on your physical health. That's, that's, that's a bonus, but that's not the primary aim in, in the coaching. Um, coaching is more like helping going through it um, to create the best life you can in the given circumstances. Um, but putting that all together, utilizing this time for um, almost make amends with life, it's, it's wonderful. I, I feel this is a great opportunity. And, and I've been doing that for 20 years in different capacities. Um, so seeing, seeing the difference in, in patients' approach to that period of time in their life, um, it's really, you know, it's, it's learning curve for myself as well. And I just love helping people to um, go through that period of time 
in the best way they can. Um, so yes, it's 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 a years of experience and um, and drive to be in that space. Thank you, Aga. It definitely we can hear you. We can hear your passion, and we can hear a lot of purpose in you doing this. So thank you so much for sharing it. I must say that uh, specifically one thing that you have shared with me uh, has drawn a lot of my interest. You told me that when you work with cancer patients, you use some of those uh, tools and techniques, amongst others, uh, you use uh, emotional freedom techniques to help patients release some trauma uh, in their life. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, absolutely. So, um, emotional freedom technique is the um, is, is a combination of um, psycho psychological approach of um, exposure therapy and um, an acceptance. So, it's um, it's it's a tool that you combine um, tapping. That you know, it's exactly what it is. Is a tapping with your fingers on the points of your body that are on the meridians. And they are linked into your uh, part of the brain where your memory is stored and your emotions are activated. So they connect to amygdala. Um, and by tapping and saying a particular sentences, you are bringing the emotion up um, and the memory of of that emotion when kind of inserted in you. That's how I'm seeing it. That was inserted in you in, in probably quite early in your life. And what it does, it just, um, it allows you to clear that um, emotion out. And as you can probably, um, you probably know that the, you know, the cancer will be um, very emotive and it will bring a lot of old emotions and fears and scarcities out. And if they are um, big emotions, EFT will allow you to clear them as they're coming. Um, but also what it can happen is by um, by doing EFT, we may look into the emotion that you you buried for the for the long long time, but they are coming from um, from different times of your life. So you will start clearing the, um, the emotional burdens that you have, and if that is because of the trauma um, that you have, you now can bring that back together, and this is an opportunity for you to clear it. Does that make sense? Well, it totally does make sense for me. Uh, does it make sense for you, Dennis? Uh, it does. It does. If, if I may, uh, I was uh, fascinated by the point of what well, the work you do is, is as much about helping people emotionally as to help them face the, the mortality of having a, a potentially life-threatening disease. And in, in the Western world, we're very bad at talking about death. It, it's something that, well, we're all going to experience it. So, why are we so bad yeah. at talking about it? Yes, because 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 that. So so, you're absolutely right that the Western world doesn't talk about that much, and that's probably because we like to be in control, and um, we like to predict what's going to happen, and um, and mortality is something that we don't have control over, and it's uncertain to us, and uncertainty is. Uh, is something that creates a lot of um, fear in us, and I, I I think that just to put in the perspective of how EFT helps. Um, so just to give you an example of 
Um, let's say in when you were, I don't know, maybe seven or, or eight, you have grandparents or, or parents who um, had cancer. And, you know, the way that they went through the disease was quite um, not really nice, if I may say that, because let's just say 20 or 30 years ago, you know, going through cancer wasn't um, easy. I'm not saying it is easy now, but, um, you know, we do have um, quite well-established medicine and, and the, the side effects of the treatment for cancer are very well controlled now compared to what it was then. Mm-hmm. And one of one of examples could be nausea. Nausea is something that we're all scared of. Um, the first thing that we think about, okay, I'm going to have chemotherapy treatment, I'm going to be sick. And that is what we're thinking about. So let's say, you know, you had that bad experience when you were younger. Now you, 20 years later, you've completely forgotten about that. So you don't even think about this anymore. The moment that you um uh, having a cancer diagnosis, just if you're triggered, the first thing it will bring your fear and anxiety is that thought, okay, that's going to happen to me, that will happen to my grandma or my mom. So um, there is emotion attached to it because when you were younger, when you were seven, you looked at that person that close to you and you you were scared, you were you were anxious, you were worried. And, and for the next 20 years, you've forgotten about that feeling. It's just buried somewhere in you. And the moment that is happening to you, that feeling is coming out and it's coming strong. And every time that you're thinking about it, it's just, it's just building up and going stronger and stronger. So what EFT will do, will um, by tapping, we will go back into that memory when you were seven years old. We will tap on it to soothe it and we will reconciliate that memory. That emotion is not going to be attached anymore to it. So now when you're facing that, let's say, chemotherapy, you're not going to have that scarcity of being sick. Mm-hmm. anymore so that makes sense so so that's how it works and that's how it wonderfully can work in cancer to be able to help people going through it without that emotional um trigger from the past yeah that's very interesting thank you so much aga for explaining this uh, i think that uh, Some people might be interested in finding out more. And I just wanted to let our listeners know that if you would like to know more about Aga and her approach, uh, you can always find information in the show notes if you are listening to the podcast or on our website, the5options.com. So uh, I think, Aga, you have uh, really exhibited in, uh, in the conversation how coaching and all these other tools and techniques can be useful in uh, cancer treatment. And I'm sure we will touch upon that in the next parts of our show. And now I would like us to uh, transfer over to Bullshit of the Week. Say what? It's bullshit. It's bullshit of the week. Bullshit. Yes. So uh, now I'm not going to say anything about how joyful our jingles are. Life is life, whether we have uh, one or the other condition. Uh, However, Aga, uh, you have prepared something for us when it comes to Bullshit of the Week, right? I did, yes. So please do share it with us. Right, so I was, I give a little thought into that bullshit of the week and I was listening to you guys before anyway. So, um, this is something that came to me very recently, although I've been working for 20 years in, in, um, the space of helping people going through, you know, the big changes and, and observing them mostly. 
Um, this is something that I actually got to terms quite recently. And it's a, um, it's a, it's a wonderful quote from um, the guy that I absolutely adore. His name is Peter Kronz. If you ever um, have a chance to listen what he's saying or what he has to say about life, it's absolutely amazing. So he, he was saying in his recent podcast I was listening to was that for some reason, as a human beings, we think we know what our life should look like. And I, I felt that really strongly, almost into my core, that for all my life, that's exactly what I've been thinking, <laughs> that I know how my life should look like. And the moment that my life doesn't look like, like I think I want it to look, I feel um, uncomfortable. And putting that now into the concept of cancer, um, this is exactly what is happening when I see my clients. That's the first thing that is coming out. It's like, this isn't what I sign in in my life. I just brought that up thinking, you know, I would love to know what you're thinking about that, guys. Would you like to share some of your thoughts, Dennis? Uh, I completely agree. Cause I, I do believe that we all have some sort of image of how our life is going to span out from the beginning to the end, from when we get conscious about it. And all of a sudden, having thrown in cancer in the mix, it's it just stops everything. And I've, we've all experienced family members with cancer and death in our family and so on. And yes, it, it, I, I completely agree. It stops everything in its tracks and you have to reevaluate, refocus, prioritize in your life. Am I gonna survive? And when you survive, then what? You know, what is the most interesting thing for me about it is that actually this thing of either getting sick or having an accident or facing someone close to us getting sick and dying is like a certain thing. It's like the only certain thing in life is that we are going to die. And we find it so shocking. We find it so like, uh, like how could that happen to me and what I do about it. So we don't think much about it well, I know that some of us do think about it even too much and then they are afraid of living. That's a completely different story. But on the other hand, how do we have so much certainty on how the life should look like when actually the thing of things like cancer, things like death are actually the ones that are going to happen for sure? I find it extremely, extremely fascinating in humans. Yes. Yes. I, I, I don't know. The first thing that came to my mind is uh, uh, giving birth to a child hurts like hell, but we still do it because if we focus on the pain, we won't procreate. And if we focus on what might go wrong and what might hit us and what might do something, we'll just wither up and die because we'll be too afraid to do anything. So I just think it's not in our nature to focus on what might happen. 
Yeah, and I think also the act of getting pregnant uh, is helpful for it to be very pleasurable. You think I, it has <laughs> any bearing on that? <laughs> I think it does help. We don't want to miss that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does help us to forget about the possible consequences. Uh, so it might have something to do. Yeah, but that's life. You know, we we have sex, we have babies, we get sick, we die. And why is it so difficult for us to accept it? And why do we make this yes. should plan? And and I, I also think that we we in general we very much hooked up on should. But when you think about it, we only hook up on should in the good way. So life in general, life is not bad or good, life just is. But we are very drawn into the good side of it. So if life is going the way that we plan, we're okay with it. The moment that it's not going against our plan, we're not okay with it. But what gives us a right in the first place to think that we know what good and what bad should be like? In that. So that, that's what's fascinating me at the moment. I, I think the nature of life is uncertainty. And how about, how about we kind of get ourselves to think about that before we get into the point that life isn't the way that we want and accept life as it is anyway? We don't need to have a cancer to disagree with, with life. Does that make sense? So um, what I try to say in here is we, we, we never, we, even if life is going the way that we think we know it should be going, we still don't have control over that. No. We just, we're just more happier in it. <laughs> and are we even... You know, like so many people, they get uh, the things on their list, you know, like now I'm going to finish my university, then I'm going to find my first job, then I'm going to get married, then I'm going to buy a house, a car and have kids. Even people who get that life like they planned it to be. And even if it happens one thing after another, are they really happy? Books and movies are made about exactly that. And you, you achieve what you think will give you happiness. And then you realize that I should have been a carpenter and not what I ended <laughs> up becoming. So, yeah. 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 We, we can plan, we can have dreams, but will it give us happiness? Yeah. And yes, I'm, I'm so I think that the interesting thing in, you know, this, f for some reason, thinking that we know how our life should look like. And actually, when we come to the place when the life looks like it should, we are actually not happy about it. This is so human. <laughs> Very. Yes. Yes. N never. Have. And then we start asking the questions, aren't we? You know, why is it like this? Why? Yeah, especially with cancer, I, I come across not just cancer, but any medical condition. So, I, you know, I, I do coach people with other medical conditions as well. And there's always a question, you know, why me? Why did it happen to me? Um, what did I do? What didn't I do? All those things that creating this feeling of um, guilt and, um, you know, the, the, the anxiety, the fears that are coming out where we're asking those questions. Um, and, and my answer to this is, why not? And that really puts people in like, actually, yes, why not? And then they said, well, I, I don't know why. And then, then we kind of go around and did you know why 
before cancer? But no one does. No. <laughs> we don't ask ourselves those questions, do we? No, we don't. And I have a sensation that maybe our wisdom of the week might help us in uh, trying to answer them. <laughs> a super wise wisdom of the week. So since we have deep dived into these uh, very uh, good questions uh, to which answers are quite uh, not easy to find, I thought that uh, <laughs> I thought that maybe we can uh, just dive into the wisdom of the week. And here again, Aga, you have uh, prepared something for us. So hit it. Right. So I have actually two wisdoms of the week <laughs> but they, they, they very they very linked in together so the first one is and i'm gonna i'm just gonna read them out and i'm gonna leave it there and um, so the first one is freedom is instantaneous the moment we accept things as they are and this is by karen marine miller which i love and the second one is by someone who I am fascinated by and I, I just love everything about that person is Victor Frank and he said that when we are no longer able to change the situation we are challenged to change ourselves boom mm -hmm. <laughs> just go straight to the bone <laughs> I instantly recall uh, some eastern philosophy saying that There's no point in using energy on things that you do not have the power to change. And meaning that accept things as they are unless you can change them. And that brings you happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a very good question here is how do you actually, because if freedom is in instantaneous the moment we accept things as they are how do we actually do it can you aga share with us what's your way of getting into more acceptance of the way things are right well, the first thing that i would like to say about acceptance is how we perceive acceptance as human beings so what i've learned over the years is that when everything is okay i i'm quite happy accepting things as they are. And I feel that the acceptance is my choice and I've got power over it. The moment that there's something wrong and when I start working with my with my clients, the acceptance and the definition of it, it changes. Quite often people think me accepting my life as it is now, it's me giving up so it's a passive acceptance and the whole work around that starts to shift that mindset around me accepting life as it is it's not a passive acceptance and the act of giving up it's actually me finally finding myself in the space of I get that life is what it is life just is It isn't bad, it isn't good, it's just if. So um, there is a lot of work around that and, and it mostly 
what we do, we go back into our beliefs about the situation that we're in because that is something that creates that belief about what acceptance means to me. So I use a lot of EFT in that situation, thinking about also where, where is that belief coming from that you think this is giving up and what it means to me. And I use reframing of, um, you know, the neurological practitioner techniques to help with, with this a lot. Um, so we reconcile the, the memory about our beliefs on this. And it really, really helps to, for people to make step towards acceptance in a very compassionate way that, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that to give up. I'm still, you know, loving and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loving myself in it, but I accept the way life is and now I can do something about it. Mm-hmm. That sounds really, really good and it sounds uh, very congruent with uh, the way I'm building on my own approach in these kind of situations. I must say that I also uh, come back to using uh, on and off EFT for myself. I just discovered mm-hmm. it completely accidentally listening to a podcast and uh, Nick Ortner uh, was a guest and I just it just so grabbed my attention. So I just started to look online for videos uh, of Nick Ortner and I just started to tap as it is just like I just heard about it in a podcast. I just opened uh, my computer and I started tapping. It's that easy. That's one thing that I wanted to say is that easy that anyone can do it. And you can just do it for yourself. As with everything, it works uh, better if you have someone teaching you this. It's like with running. Can you run yourself? Yes. If you want to become really good as a runner, probably having a coach will help you avoid some, um, yeah, some trouble, (laughs) some (laughs) strains and so on. So it's like with everything. But actually, you can try it out for yourself. Uh, quite easily. And also what helps me in accepting life as it is and that part of choice, like how come when it's something good happening, it's so easy to choose to accept it and how come it's so difficult to choose to accept it when it's something difficult. And uh, I really like the concept of responsibility, where responsibility means ability to respond. So we always have that ability to respond to any situation in our life, whether it's something that we perceive as a positive or a negative event in our life. It is our right to respond to it emotionally, mentally and how we are actually going to behave in it. So that uh, that concept of ability to respond helps me a lot in this kind of situations. Yes. And um, when it comes to the other part, uh, the other quote that you have shared with us, the one where it is about not trying to change things outside of you, but actually finally coming to uh, to the place where you're changing yourself. I just believe in it so deeply and dearly that every single change starts inside of us and our circumstances, uh, everything around us will come around as soon as we actually change our inner world. Absolutely. And just following that, with, um, if you ever 
enter the space of coaching people in, in medical conditions and terminal conditions like cancer, um, you know, in, in the coaching world, we ask this question, um, you know, if you if you have a magic wand, what would you change? 100% of my patients say, uh, well, I wouldn't have cancer. And, and this is brilliant because the, the first, quote I bring is the Victor Frankl quote and, and that is eye opening straight away <laughs> and then we can we can just dig um, very deeply and just dive into very meaningful stuff straight away and it's, it's a wonderful space to work um, with people mindset yes can you can you repeat the quote again so the quote goes like let me just get my notes back again. Yeah. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Okay. Thank you for that. And with that beautiful thought, I would like us to move to the last part of our uh, of our show today. G from the left field. Yes, so from the left field, it can be anything that we bring on. And sometimes we really have a very big surprise uh, to our guests when we are just moving into something completely different. This time I actually have decided to stay on to the topic and I wanted to talk to you, Aga, uh, and Dennis, if you will feel like talking to us still, I would like to talk to you about alternative cancer treatments. I have been um, hearing, you know, like more and more uh, cases and those kind of things are coming around uh, on my Facebook and on my YouTube where people decide not to go for the standard conventional medical approach of uh, curing cancer, which is uh, chemotherapy or radiotherapy. And then they, cite, then they decide to cure themselves in alternative ways. And I started to Google that a little bit to find out what are alternative cancer treatments. And I found out like amazing amount of stuff. It's like really, really, there is a lot of alternatives to conventional medicine. And I found out that many of them, they are actually supporting the conventional medicine. And uh, many of them are actually being accepted more and more uh, by the medical world and they are used to support the patients on their journey to getting healed again. However, I have also found some that claim where the people who describe those uh, those treatments, they actually claim that those treatments cure cancer. So I just wanted to bring this uh, topic and I wanted to to yeah, I would like to start by hearing your opinion, Aga. How do you personally, um, what, what is your personal opinion between a med, like a conventional medical approach of chemotherapy and uh, similar therapies and alternative okay. methods? Okay, so first of all, I will speak on language again. <laughs> I like talking about those as a complementary therapy, not alternative therapy. Mm. And the reason is that 
that depends in what part of the world you are in. So I'm, I'm from Poland, like yourself, um, and we're not very far from UK when I'm based. And I can see a big discrepancy in how we think and how we act around the um, complementary therapy. So I um, operate in UK and where I work with cancer patients, I work in a wonderful space um, that is attached to a hospital. And we offer a lot of complementary therapy. We offer acupuncture, we offer uh, Reiki, we offer a lot of things. And that is quite nicely acceptable by our medical colleagues Um and they often send patients over to us. Um, if you're in Poland, I, so I coach people um, online and I coach people from Poland as well. When I mention um, Reiki or acupuncture, there is, a, there, there is a fear behind it because they're not there yet. So it really it depends where you are in the, in the world. So that's one thing. The second thing I would need to say is about what do I as a person who is going through the cancer, what do I believe in? Um, and I recently had a client who had, she didn't have a cancer herself, her husband did, and she really didn't believe in the Western medicine. She thought that um, chemotherapy is a poison and it's going to kill um, her husband, and, and she was really freaked out by this, so she needed some help and support. Uh, but she was so freaked out by it that when she came to me, she exhibited the um, side effects of treatment. So she was sick. That's how much she believed in it. So if you flip that around, and if someone really, really, really believes that the complementary therapy will help, how am I to judge that it's not going to help? So, you know, it really works on so many different levels. But I would start from first the one that have been clinically researched, so like acupuncture, it has in some cases. You know, it helps people to um, reduce the side effects of um, treatment, the hormone treatment for breast cancer. And, it, it, you know, it's really helpful and it's, and it's nicely um, researched. And the other one, if you believe and it works for you, why not? I use um, a lot of um, approaches from Ayurvedic medicine because it helps me and, and it helps my, my family and I believe in that. So that's my stand on it. I would never say yes and I would never say no, but I go by what is what feels right to you. Okay, so your uh, your approach is that it actually, the most important recognition here is what the patient believes in as the first thing. Yeah. What if the patient actually is of this opinion that, uh, like the wife that you have described, that the chemotherapy is going to kill, uh, and that's actually completely, you know, not something that, you know, the patient wants to accept. How, uh, how do you, what is your opinion in that case? So say the question again, sorry, I didn't get the question. Yeah, the question is, uh, me, uh, to which extent the belief works? So, mm-hmm. meaning if the patient believes that uh, they can be healed completely via this one of the complementary methodologies, that they believe that, uh, for example, chemotherapy is something that can actually kill them. What's your opinion in that? How, how far does the belief work? Okay. So, what I've noticed with my 
clients quite often is if they talk about their treatment and they often do as a poison, as something that is going to kill them. I know already that going through that treatment is going to be really difficult for them and maybe not even working because what they do, they create that that space of pain and uh, rigidity, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, so they believe so much in the fact that this is going to hurt them, overheal them, it quite often will. I'm I'm seeing that from that point of view. But because I'm seeing that from that point of view, I believe that they can be reversed. So if you really believe on the cellular level that it's going to help you, it probably will. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does yes? make sense. Yes. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's really interesting because, um, you know, like, I don't know how about you, but I actually have met several people in my life who have been uh, healed from cancer after they were told by the conventional medicine that there is nothing that can be done, that they're going to die within the next few months. And then they Mm -hmm. turn into alternative methods and they are living now after one person I know 20 years from that time when they were told that they were only going to live uh, a few months. So I was just thinking, you know, like how far our belief actually goes when it comes to when it comes to whether we can uh, heal or not. Yeah, it's really this is really interesting topic that I've been I've been um, researching that a little bit. And there is there is this wonderful book. Uh, I don't remember the, uh, the author exactly, but the title of the book is Radical Remissions. And th- this is the years of, of um, research by um, by this lady who was looking across the world of the cases of radical remission. So this is what you're referring to, people who had been told that they've got terminal cancer, not much um, long time left, and they just turn around. And there are some commonalities um, in this book, and one of one of the commonalities is actually that disagreement with this statement and really core belief about that is not what is going to happen. Um, among uh, other, there is a, a nine big. I need yeah. to. Um, I really regret to, but I need to stop you because we have just okay. run out of time. So I'll get the okay. title of the book from you, and I'll put it in the yeah. show notes. Thank you so much Great. for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Bye. You are listening to You've Got 5 Options radio show, where we hopefully convinced you that 5 indeed is a magic number. To catch up with our previous programs, apply to be our guest, send us your life challenge, or just to see how do we really look like, visit our website, the5options.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks!